You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Kopech Day is turned into Kopech Night, and Michael Kopech's night was not that long. Dave was going to literally rush over here after work, band practice, sit at the bar on Kopech Night. We had the thing DVR'd. We were going to watch it, and then we are going to do, like, instant reaction on it. And after two innings, I just told him, hey, man, it's cool. Don't worry about it. I got this. So I've watched the two innings, and so have a lot of other White Sox fans. What may have been the most exciting two innings of White Sox baseball in at least the last 10 years. Was it overboard? Did it show us anything? I want to talk about that. And I'm not going to just be talking just to you. I'm going to be talking to a lot of people that I'm trying to get on the line right now. Like my phone is sitting next to me and I've reached out to some radio peeps. I've reached out to peeps from other podcasts. I've reached out to Sox fans who just love to talk baseball. I've reached out to dad. We're going to get him on. Whoever I get in the next half hour while I'm sitting here for this 30 minutes of Sox gets on Sox in the basement to talk Kopech night. Plus, there's a lot of things going on in Socks in the Basement this week. So before I get to my first guest, I kind of want to tell you a few things that are happening here. First off, Ron Kittle is going to be on this show. I know it now. In my heart of hearts, Ron Kittle to be on the Socks in the Basement podcast. How do I know this? The Chicago White Sox finally approved this podcast, Socks in the Basement, for White Sox guests. I was blown away by it. I got an email. I got told, who do you want first? I said, I want Ronnie. I reached out to Kitty. I said, please, come on the show. I've gone through the team. He got back to me right away. I'm all up for it. Let's set up a time. I'm excited. So so very, very, very soon, my guy, my hero, Ron Kittle, in the basement, on Socks in the Basement. It's going to be awesome. Okay? And then hopefully the guests will just continue to roll in. They were like, who do you want first? I was like, ah, Pelka Kittle, Pelka Kittle. It's, I'm sorry. It, it, for me, it's got to be my childhood hero. Speaking of Pelka, speaking of him and that three-man race, I want to talk about that today as well because that three-man race, that race that we've been talking about now for the last month on this show about Delmonico, Pelka, and Davidson going head-to-head really for probably, for probably just one spot. I mean, it's probably not going to be more than one spot. Next year, things are going to dry up. Jimenez is going to get here at some point. Even if they hold him out for the first month of the season, he's going to get here. And when he gets here, none of those guys play center field and neither does Jimenez. And Garcia is a corner outfielder. So now you got Garcia and Jimenez, and we're all dried up when it comes to every day at bats for those three players. Only one of them, I think, stays on the 25-man roster. Two maybe to start the year. One of them by the end of next year. This is a competition. Three men enter, one man leaves you would be surprised as to who is actually leading the competition. So we're going to talk about that coming up. First guy on the phone talking about Kopech, instant reaction. Dad's on the line with me now. What would you think of Kopech Day? Uh, he was good. I mean, he's, uh, he's got a little prove yet, but, I mean, he threw pitches. Uh, they, were, they were in the strike zone. Didn't throw a lot of balls. Saw a few pitches from him. Fastball's good, obviously, and he threw a nice curve. He had a changeup in there. Uh didn't get railed when he put the men on base early with a couple of hits. And so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's a pretty small sample, but I think he can, he can bring it up there at 97, 98 miles an hour. And uh, Stone says he can throw it to 103, which would be nice, and says he will get there when he loosens up. So 
we'll see. We'll see what happens the next time out. We get to pitch a little more in the game. Are you shocked by the amount of hype? Did you see? I mean, you're watching the game, and people are like, "It's like it's like Game Seven of the World Series out there." I, or maybe we just haven't seen a lot of hype lately. I mean, were you shocked watching that on TV? It was it was a little funny watching everybody stand up in the first inning for uh, you know just going for strike three in the first inning. Usually, you don't see that till later in a game or a big moment in a game. I felt like we were being like Cub fans. I felt like it was a very yeah. Cub type thing. You know to do. what? You know what? That's perfect. Is actually as it came to my mind. I feel like it was at a Cub game. <laughs> In the first inning, we're we're cheering like it's the like it's the eighth inning. So yeah, but no, Kopik Kopik has uh, shot in the arm maybe for us, and uh, you know he's got to come up probably get a little work, and then they have to, so he's ready for next year. That's that's probably the plan. Let me read you this stat. You just tell me if this blows your mind, okay? This year uh, in Major League Baseball, the most ninety-five mile an hour or more pitches thrown in a single game by a pitcher was seventy-nine. Okay. Kopech okay. had 41 such pitches in the first two innings that he pitched. Uh, he, he, I'd say he can bring it. He kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Justin Verlander, you know, who throws the ball a lot of times up on that upper upper range and can still reach back one night until 102, 103. He's just a kid, too. He's only 22 years old or something like that. So guess what he'd look like when he's 27. So, you know, it, it's, he's got it. He's got, the, he's got that power pitch and – so we'll see what happens with him. Michael Kopech looked confident, and I don't think it was cockiness. I know Dave likes to sit down here and call him Nuke Lelouch. Uh, I, I get that. It's easy to make that comparison. He throws really fast. He's young. Eh, we've all seen Bull Durham. It's Nuke Lelouch. But, but he looked confident, not cocky to me. He looked like a man who was like, I belong here. Welcome to the bigs. I have arrived. I'm ready to go. I mean, that first inning was just... I mean, I think it was intense because we just wanted him to go out there and be like that Brendan Fraser guy, that movie. What was that movie? The Scout with Albert Brooks. That's the one. Brendan Fraser, Steve Nebraska. We wanted him to be Steve Nebraska. We wanted 27 up, 27 down. Instantly, Major League Baseball steps in and says, you know what? Normally, we wouldn't let the White Sox into the postseason race, but we're adding like 40 wins and we're giving them a fighting chance because now they've got Steve Nebraska. I I think there was some thing going on in the crowd where people thought that could happen. It couldn't happen, but that's what people wanted. And then right away, a couple guys on, and you're like, oh, crap. It's just another White Sox debut that's going to make us all angst-filled and angry, and he's not going to work out. And then just magic happens. First of all, the home plate umpire decides that a, a check swing that in no way was a strike is a strike, and he gets his first strikeout, and now all of a sudden the place erupts, and then he gets through the inning, and he gets Kepler to to, to fly out, and, and and he's through the inning, and everybody's all pumped up. It took him 22 pitches to get through the first inning, but he got through it, and he didn't give up a run, and he comes out for the second inning, and he strikes out all three guys that he gets out in the inning. Sure, after the first two outs, two guys get on. There's that hit pitch that I'm not really sure hit the guy, and, and then you got the single, but he gets out of the inning, and he strikes out all three guys, all three outs in the second inning are from strikeouts. The stat that I just told my father is incredible to me. I mean, in two innings, he got himself more than halfway to the overall mark in Major League Baseball this year for pitches 95 miles an hour or more. The guy brings the heat. So I, I, I thought that was that was really cool. I, I, I mean, it's, it's fun to see the hype. It's fun to see how excited everybody is. I do think it was a little overboard with the, uh, um, I don't know, just, the, the, I mean, I like seeing the fans excited. It's really cool, but I mean, come on. I mean, he's got some things to work on. 
I mean, Michael Kopech, I, I already saw the spray chart for where, where what was being called. He got a lot of pitches called strikes that weren't actually strikes. He's going to run into an umpire that's not going to give him that liberal of a zone. He's not going to get caught up in the moment of a fan base that is just energized in an electric ballpark. And he's going to have to find his way through that. There is going to be growing pains. He's going to get he's going to he's going to get good. He's going to go bad. He's going to have good outings. He's going to have bad outings. But I think the kid is here. Okay. And I get the whole call up now. Like all week long, I've been sitting around and I've been thinking to myself, how do they wait so long to bring him up? Why bring him up now? Why, if, if you waited this long, why take away from all those years of control? Why, why, why start the clock now? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I said before that I'm like, well, you know, I mean, with pitchers, you never know. He could come up. He might not work out. You send him back down. He doesn't start this year down. doesn't start the next year in the majors. Maybe the clock doesn't go the way that uh, everybody thinks it's going to go and things work out for the better. But on the other hand, I, I think that the White Sox honestly thought this guy's clock was going to start in June this year. I think the Sox were treating him this year like they're going to treat Jimenez next year, where it's get him past Super 2 status and let him start. And when they got to that point this year, he wasn't ready. I, I'm starting to think now, reading between the lines, that he's actually late to the party, that the Sox wanted him sooner, but there was something that was missing. Uh, my longtime friend Ed is on the phone line right now. Ed? Uh, what do you, what yeah, do you, hey. yeah, you're on the broadcast basement with me. We've been doing it for 10 years. We've done radio with each other for decades. Um, and, and you've been on the show before, um, uh, you, you watch the excitement and everything. What do you think? Do you think that this was always the plan to get him up this year and he wasn't ready yet? Is that possible? Is it possible that, that, that Kopech was not ready? Uh, and, and this isn't getting him here early, but it's getting him here when he was finally ready. Well, that's what Rick Hahn said is that he was bringing them up because yeah, now is the time he's bringing them up because he's ready. He's finally ready to face major league pitching. And, uh, you know, I, I service time be damned. I think they want to see what he can do in front of major leaguers at this point. Plus it doesn't hurt that, you know, the way people treated Kopech day today was, you know, akin to Christmas, New Year's, Hanukkah, whatever you want to, you know, it's a 12 year old getting a Nintendo on the birthday to, to see it. We have people hanging on, hanging on every pitch, according to Benetti and standing and cheering for a potential strikeout of Max freaking Kepler in the first <laughs> inning of an otherwise meaningless game against the twins. So, I mean, you know, the, the hype machine was in full, full view here. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think they, they were just waiting to see, if he had something other than a fastball and a slider, because if that was going to be the case, that he was just going to be a two-pitch guy, and that's kind of all he showed tonight, by the way. That is, that's all he showed tonight. It's all. I mean, yeah. but then it, that could have been that could have just been like the adrenaline, and we were going to see more in the third and fourth inning. I don't know. We got Kopech Day Part Two. Kopech Strikes Back coming up in five days, so I'm excited about that yeah, as well, exactly. dude. I, I Kopech Strikes Back. It's so hype filled today. It's it's such a big deal that I got Scott King from WGN Radio uh, waiting to talk to me as well, and he's cooler than you. So you got to wait uh, in a little bit. I'm going to have you back oh, sure. on. Oh, sure, uh, sure, an actual media member's more actual me- me. not a podcaster, but an actual media member. So I'm going to talk to the actual media member. Then I'm going to talk to you. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't really right. care if it's okay or not. Hey, this is Acoustic Mike from Broadcast Basement, and you're listening to Socks in the Basement with Chris and his buddy Dave. I did the broadcast basement with Chris for 10 years and nobody gave me a show. I'd leave if I had anything else to do with my life. 
Remember, the Broadcast Basement is available everywhere podcasts can be found and always at broadcastbasement.com. Scott King from WGN Radio. He does Blackhawks crazy. He was out at the rate for Kopech night. He was out there because uh, there's a Blackhawk player throwing out a, a first pitch. So he gets to just stand at the top of the dugout steps and, and wait for Michael Kopech to just walk right by him. In fact, I think you were like blocking him from getting into the dugout. Is that what I saw in the picture I saw on social media? Yes. I put a picture of him up and then I uh, noticed that you could see me like right in front of him in the picture on the Jumbotron. You can see him, and then behind him you can see a Jumbotron and see me right in front of him. And uh, I kind of cropped it and, and put it another picture up and saying, uh, thank God I wasn't blocking the dugout stairs because I was right next to him. And he's a huge guy. He's ripped. I saw him in the clubhouse before the game. Uh, that doesn't sound weird to talk that way about it. But, uh, <laughs> no, he's, he's, very, he's very strong. And saw, uh, I'm glad I wasn't in his way because he would have bulldozed me over. I saw Michael Kopech in the clubhouse. He's really ripped. I was down there, you know, when he was changing his clothes. Yeah. I mean, it sounded a little... A little odd. You know, that, that almost takes the focus off of the fact that you would have been the most hated person on the south side of Chicago if he would have, say, tripped over you trying to get into the dugout to start right before his start. Oh, yeah, I would have been the equivalent of, I would have been the south side Bartman, for sure. Oh, worse than Bartman. They'd have been on your, they would have been on your front yeah. lawn right now. Your, your poor wife would be called 911, screaming. Oh, yeah, oh, people today, people today, they would put my address right on <laughs> Twitter immediately. So you're there, you get to see the hype. What'd you think of it? What'd you think of the hype? I know there were a bunch of walk-up sales, even though there was bad weather. I know there were people who were trying, I mean, like I looked at ticket prices. You could get two seats right behind third base the day before they announced him as a starter for 12 bucks a seat. Cause I was thinking about going with my oh. dad. And then he, I was like, you want to go in a game on Tuesday night? I found some great seats for like 12 bucks a piece. He's like, I don't know your mother, this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, we'll just pick another night. And then the next day they announced that he's going. I went back and looked, $90 in the secondary market. All of a sudden, $90 oh, in the secondary market for that ticket. Can you believe that? Yeah. No, I can. With that, you know, people have been this excited about a, a Sox prospect in a long time. Talking about the 13th-ranked prospect in all of baseball and uh, for good measure. He's been lighting it up in AAA. I think he was 4-0, uh, 184 ERA since the All-Star break. I think he had 59 strikeouts in that span, too. And, uh, he, look, he, he, I thought only two innings, 52 pitches tonight before the rain delay, and then it was smart for them to take him out. There's no sense in him playing after that. But I, I thought he looked great. There was like, it felt like an event. You know, there was, uh, you could feel, honestly, you could feel it in the air. It was, it was a big, big event. It felt like a big moment for the franchise. And, and being right there when he walked out, he was pumped up, seemed a little nervous, but I, I thought he did really well. He had 52 pitches, 35 of them were strikes, struck out. Four guys tonight um, allowed zero runs in the two innings he pitched, so I thought he looked great. Every pitch seemed to be like 97, 98, pretty good control. He, he hit a guy, um, didn't give up too many hits, and yeah, I, I thought he was great. I, I thought he looked really good. Listen, extrapolate his numbers out, and that's 18 strikeouts in a nine-inning game. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I think it's time right now to just, you know, start building the statue, right? Oh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> come I mean, on. Come on. That was the most ludicrous well, thing you've yeah, ever I heard mean, in your life. Look, I, th- I think he's going to be very good. I think he had a rough start in AAA, but the, the way he got hot there. When you look tonight, I mean, he – the thing is, Maurer got – Maurer, he was doing good at, at, at first at bat, uh, and then Maurer got a hit. And, um, you know, a lot of guys 
after uh, a rough go to start, their first start, it, you know, especially if it's widely reported, they could crumble, and he didn't. He, he faced a little adversity early on, and he overcame it and looked pretty dominant just a couple innings. But I, I think it's a guy where, you know, it's like I was there to cover Alex Dabrinkit tonight on a smaller scale. You know, he lived up to the hype and played all last year for the Hawks and let him in goals. I think it's a guy who's going to live up to the hype. And you hear everyone already, you know, I don't know about Hall of Fame, but everyone's been saying that already. And, and you see he should have some time to get a, a couple more starts, right? So we'll see how he looks in those and he'll get more innings. But I think he has the makings of a great pitcher. That's awesome. Now, listen, before I let you go, because I know you're driving home after the game, and uh, I appreciate you talking to me for just a couple of minutes. You're there at the top steps of the dugout. You got to see him before the game. You're around him and his players, uh, him and the other players. Just give me a sense of what it was like in the dugout or in the clubhouse as that game was starting beforehand or while he's taking the field. I mean, do the other players look excited? Do you think it charged up the whole team just to be in that atmosphere where it's been basically dead all year long with the exception of some big moments? And here you have this electric atmosphere and this phenom uh, prospect that's come up that everybody's expecting something big from. What was it like? What did you observe when you were sitting there right by the team? Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, first, just when I showed up, you know, talking to some other media people I know were, were commenting about how it was the most media they've seen in a long time around the Sox. And uh, a little surprising to me, there's a lot, but not a, not a ton of people, but that there's, there was a, a good deal of media. So there's that. Um, you could tell it was obviously a special event already with the media presence. And then, you know, the players that talked before the game kept joking about, oh, why uh, seems to be more media here? Why all the media here? So they're already kind of pointing out that something big's going on, and you kind of witnessed uh, if you were there in the clubhouse or in the dugout or by the field that a lot of the players, you know, walking uh, by him, by Kopech, were excited to have him. They were, you know, whatever, fist bumps and just talking to him a little bit, and uh, you could tell it was all in good fun, and, and they were excited. And, and when he walked by me, like I said, he was pumped up. But I, I think being in the clubhouse and, and seeing him in, at, at his uh, – Stall kind of trying to just uh, relax before the game. And he seemed calm before the game. I thought he seemed uh, maybe just psyching himself up as he was walking to the dugout. But uh, seeing him get ready and, and seeing his teammates interact with him, seeing all the media, for me, I think that's what kind of played into it feeling like such a big event uh, that I just witnessed. Kopech uh, night was an event. Scott King from WGN and Blackhawks Crazy was there. And I really appreciate you coming on, man. Oh, thank you, Chris. Anytime. All right, you drive safe. All right, Chris. All right. Take care. I'll see you soon. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. All right, a quick break from the Kopech Day reaction. Because there's another thing going on that I want to make sure we're paying attention to. And that is the battle. The three men enter, one man leaves battle that I believe is going on. It's hot and heavy between Matt Davidson, Daniel Pelka, and Nikki Delmonico. And what sucks is that I like all three of these guys. I mean, they all seem like they're cool dudes. I would love to have any one of them down here in, uh, in the basement. I would hope that I would get all three of them down here at some point during the offseason before one of them is jettisoned because I don't think all three of these guys start on the opening day roster next year. And in, I think two of them start and then one of them's on the team because when Eloy gets here, baby, those at-bats are drying up unless something crazy happens in the offseason. And I think that the White Sox are trying right now to figure out which one of these guys is the guy that they're like, yeah, I want to see more of him. And which one of these guys is like, ah, we got a lot of guys just like him and he's just not measuring up. Here, here's just a quick look at their, their batting uh, statistics, the ones that really matter heading into this moment of the season, okay? Uh, Matt Davidson, 
leading all three of them in OPS. Matt Davidson is, he's doing really well in slugging. He's a little bit behind Pelka overall this season, but they're, the two of them are blowing Nicky Delmonico out of the water. And average-wise, Davidson's 230, Pelka's 242, Nicky's 230. Not a lot of big difference there, okay? But even though you're thinking to yourself, well, Davidson's in the lead, but Pelka, man, he's the man. And, you know, Nicky's probably the odd man out here. Here are the OPS's slugging percentages and averages for these three guys just in the month of August. You may think Daniel Pelka is way out in front of him because of the way that he's been so heroic over the last month or so. Daniel Pelka's third in OPS. He actually falls behind Nicky and stays behind Matt Davidson. In fact, Davidson's almost at 800. He's at a 796. He has turned it on. His slugging's at 500 even right now, and he's hitting 269 in the month of August. Here's a guy who's realized there's a competition, and he wants to win it, okay? Nicky Delmonico is only hitting 224 and a 297 uh, uh, on base percentage, but he's got a 728 OPS, all right? Pelka's really falling off. He's got a 277 on base percentage and a 242 batting average, but his slugging 403 brings the OPS down to 680. 680. Now listen, I love Daniel Pelka as much as the next guy. I really do. I love his attitude. I love his cockiness. I love the pinch hit home runs. I love it. But he's got a 680 OPS. Now that this three-man competition is heating up, he's actually falling off. That isn't going to work. Okay? I'm all in for Pelka mania, but he isn't going to win any competitions. The only way that he beats out Davidson and, and Delmonico is if they sit there and they say, well, we've seen enough about Nicky. We don't see any more potential. This is what he is. And Davidson is having a rough time in the field. And so we want Pelka because he's like a folk hero. He could be the second guy. He could beat out Nicky on, on just the fact that they're like, this is the new hot thing and we might as well keep him. But I think Matt Davidson, if he can just find himself a niche, if he can just continue to do what he's doing, it's going to be hard to deny a guy that could end up with an OPS over 800, who could be one of the few guys with an OPS over 800. You know the only two guys with OPSs over 800 on this team right now that would be qualifiers for stats? Jose Abreu, Omar Navarez. That's it. Matt Davidson is third. Here's a guy who sees the competition and has answered the bell. The other two guys better wake up. Let's get back to Ed. Ed's in the broadcast basement with me. Ten years, Ed. We've been doing the broadcast basement podcast. Ten years. It's been uh, multiple times one of the top 100 podcasts in the world, according to Stitcher Radio. Uh, It's uh, it's recorded down here at the same bar that Socks in the Basement is recorded at. It's the it's the main podcast that has now spawned a bunch of other ones, including this one. Huh? We broke the bar in. We broke. We did break this bar in, in in many, many ways. We've probably broken the bar, actually, It's, yeah. it's definitely not a show for the faint of heart, so it, it's not like this one. There's there's some cursing <laughs> no. and some no. other really not weird things that happen. Anything. Don't, yeah, not at all. In fact, you listen to, listen to broadcast basement, you're likely just to faint. Right? <laughs> Sorry anyway, to say. Anyway, speaking of fainting, speaking of fainting, yes. how many times did you faint on Kopech Day? You know... I, I, I had the Ricky the Ricky Renteria lightheadedness. I, just just the Ricky Renteria lightheadedness. You yeah. know, Joe Joe McEwing had to come to my office and, and finish the job for me today. Um, 
but no, I, you know, I'll say this. I was actually relieved to see there's, there's a certain level of relief and, and, and like feeling like the world is right because there's a white Sox pitcher who wears number 34, who is consistently damp on the mound and throws really hard. So I just, I, I feel like the spirit of Freddie Garcia has, has returned to my life in a lot of ways. And I can't tell if it was the rain or if Kopech is just, you know, pro wrestler level of sweaty when he's on the mound. But I, you know, I, I, it just, I appreciated the, the dampness level he was demonstrating tonight on the mound. It was, it was very heartwarming. I can see him greasing um, up. I can see him being that kind of guy that like does like the, it, Dolph, right? the Dolph Ziggler thing where he just gets everything wet or like like the Rollins thing. Like he just kind of like he like dips his head in a bucket of water and comes out with a wet look all the time. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's, exactly. He's, he's just shield levels of wet on the mound, <laughs> which is fine by me. I'm, I'm okay. This is the um, new shield? Like this is the shield? This is like the White Sox shield. You got him? You got Pelka? I mean, like you, you could you could put together Him quite and a Pelka shield. And, and and who's who's Dean Ambrose in that situation? Yomer, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Yomer. Yomer is Dean Ambrose. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's it's you got your Rollins is Kopech, okay? Your your Reigns is Pelka, and and your Yomer Sanchez. That's your Dean Ambrose. That right there. Exactly. That's that's the lunatic. Yeah, that's the lunatic friend. Right he's there. the lunatic friend. <laughs> okay, so he struck out four guys over two innings. Then it rained, and God was like, "You've had enough, Kopech. You have to wait five days." Did you feel? Did you feel better or worse with what you saw about what you compared to what you thought of Michael Kopech before Kopech Day or Kopech Night or whatever it is the the national holiday that will always be known as Kopech Day? Yeah, that that Governor Rauner is going to declare Kopech Day in the state of Illinois heretofore. Um. You know, I, I watched some of, you know, because they, they'll broadcast some of the minor league games. So I'd watch some Charlotte Knights games with Kopech on the mound. But frankly, the camera work, it's hard to see. And, and he's facing bums down there. And so you can't really tell. But I, I'll tell you the comparison, and I feel blasphemous saying this about it. But the comparison, when I saw the ball coming out of his hand, the way his pitches moved, the way the Twins were reacting to it, I felt like I was watching young Kerry Wood. Um, which makes me feel better about Kopech in some ways because I, you know, I was worried that even if he is limited to kind of a two pitch guy that, uh, you know, th- there are certain guys that can get away with it and certain guys that can't. And when Kerry Wood was in his early twenties and you know, before his arm started to wear out, he was a guy who could just sit there and throw sliders and fastballs all day and make guys look stupid. And I'm okay with that. If that's what, if, if that's kind of the level Kopech's at, but I, you know, he also threw what forty five pitches in two innings, and he can't keep that crap up. No, there's um, a lots the of there's lots go of anywhere with him. Yeah, I mean that that part of it. I sat there and I watched. I'm like, you know, maybe two innings was enough for this guy because I, I think I would have been sitting there wondering about him. You know, 110 pitches over four innings might have struck out. You know, six more guys in that time frame. But um, at the same time, it was you know. A lot of pitches, a lot of work, and and but you know, watching him throw high fastballs that were freezing the Twins' batters when they know that you got a fifty percent chance of getting a fastball, and watching the way his breaking ball came across and and was dropping off the end of the table like that, I mean, you know, the stuff is real for sure, and so I, I don't see how you could be anything other than excited about what this guy could be if he learns to harness it. And frankly, if he learns to put guys away and not go three and two on everyone and then have to sit there and throw three or four pitches just to try and get them to strike out before they finally freeze on that fastball. 
because um, you know it's just a lot of foul, you know, a lot of falling balls off, and some of it were purpose pitches. You know, I know Robbie Grossman looked like a guy who was thankful that his ship, you know, his hip didn't shatter, or you know, he didn't lose uh, some other important body parts when he got hit by the pitch. But at the same time, it was like I, you know, I don't think he was trying to rush him off the plate. I literally think he just held onto the ball too too long. And, you know, you put Robbie Grossman on first base by, you know, smacking him in the hip with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. If you put that over the middle, Robbie Grossman is not hitting that ball. I mean, the best swing all night on him was Bobby Wilson, and that ball was a dying, you know, a dying line drive that, frankly, didn't have enough mustard to get out to left field for Paul to catch it. So, um, you know, I, I'm i excited about it. I, I think Kopech Day, I think the, the hype was a little too much for what today represented and watching, like I said, watching a standing O for a, you know, three and two count on, on, you know, some bum twins hitters in the first inning of a, you know, an August game where two teams that are going nowhere, you know, I think people can calm down a little bit about that. But frankly, if you're looking at like, is this guy going to be must see TV? Is he going to be a must watch? Or is this a game you want to go to? If you know that he's going to be on the mound, I think you're getting back to like where Chris Sale was when, you know, uh, a couple of years ago with the Sox where you, you, you wanted to watch each one of his starts because you want to see what's going to happen. You want to see if you're going to see something, you know, amazing. Can you, can you believe what Mike said at the beginning of this week's episode of the broadcast basement? Well, anytime that man opens his mouth, I'm like, well, wait, what the hell was that? Right. But, I mean, like, I mean, it's like one of those things though. Like I've been getting like tweets and everything, like people have been hitting us up on the, on the Facebook page. Like the people found it very funny, but very weird. I mean, it's definitely worth like the first five minutes of the broadcast basement. If you've never listened to the broadcast basement, broadcastbasement.com, it's on Apple, uh, it's it's on the uh, the Stitcher, it's 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 on Spotify, just like Socks in the Basement is. You want you want to just listen to five minutes of the broadcast basement. If after those five minutes you still want to listen to more, you're as weird as we are. If if after those five minutes you think that there's something wrong with all of us. I promise it will never bleed on to the Socks in the Basement podcast. You can still come back here and be safe. But there's there's yeah, something but, there's something wrong with that boy. Yes, there is definitely something wrong with him. But I will say this. If after the first five minutes you decide that there's something wrong with us, you might as well keep listening because nobody sees a train wreck about to happen and then turns away and is like, no, I can't watch that. You <laughs> want to see the train hit. You want to see what's going to happen. Next week, I expect Dave back, possibly even Dad down here in the basement bar as well. Ron Kittle could come at any moment, so prepare yourself. If you have not subscribed to the show, do so. If you have not told your friends about it, do so. If you have not bought into the rebuild, do yourself a favor, do so. This is Socks in the Basement. We'll see you next week. Everywhere podcasts can be found and always SocksInTheBasement.com. Another show is wrapped up, another show's in the books, another show is wrapped up, and then by the looks it's gonna be a good one, and we'll see you next week, and the nude is basement, and the nude is basement, another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nudie's Basement, Broadcast Basement, the Nudie's Basement, the Broad Basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? (laughs) 
I felt like it. <laughs> Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.